You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. His presence is intense. I'm so excited for baptism next Sunday. I was, I was talking about it in the first service, and I just, and I was telling Aaron, too, I, I, Aaron and Jackie, I was saying that I, I, you know, preparation, this baptism takes preparation. You kind of plan the service, the tanks, all that kind of stuff. You kind of, and I, every time that I sit down at my computer and I begin to, to plan it, I just start crying and I cry and I cry because God's so good. Like Sean said, 17, 17 people surrendering their lives to Jesus. This is so exciting. God is so good. So I'm excited. So if you, if you're online and you're watching or you're here, you want to get baptized on Sunday, it's, you, you, the deadline's coming. So call the church, talk to one of us. It's going to be awesome. So we've been talking about um, discipleship being the new normal, being our new normal. And, and discipleship in its simplest form means a follower of Jesus, those that follow after Jesus. And we've looked over the last couple of weeks that there's, there's believers in Jesus. Those are the, them that think Jesus is great. You know, he's awesome. I believe, I believe in him. I believe he's the son of God. Um, I believe that he does miracles. I believe those things. But then there are followers of Jesus. They're the followers of Jesus, those that surrender things to follow after him. And we've been talking about that. That God is calling us, and the reason we're doing is God is calling the church to this place of, of lives of surrender. He's calling us to this place of, come here, follow after me, come even deeper. And the reason he calls us to this place is because there's more. There's more that he has for us. And so this week we're gonna talk about the cost and the commitment. Let's turn to Psalms 15. And it says, Lord, who dares to dwell with you? Who presumes the, priv presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? I love this verse because it's like, who, who dares to go in the presence of God? Who is that person that dares to be in the presence? Who's the person that is in the life of the Holy, living their life in the Holy Spirit day after day? Who are they? Verse two, it says, they are passionate and wholehearted. That's who. They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth for their hearts are trustworthy. They refuse to slander or insult others. They never listen to gossip or rumors, nor would they ever harm another with their words. They will speak out passionately against evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. They make firm commitments and follow through, even at a great cost. Even at a great cost. But who are those? Who are they? They're the passionate ones. The passionate ones stand in the presence of God. 
And I want to focus on that word passion today because we all have passion. We all have a passion for something. Somewhere in us, whether it's, whether it's minuscule or it's big, there is passion inside of us for something, and that's God-given. It's a good thing. You know, some of us have passion for business. Some of us have passion for children. Some of us have passion for techie-type stuff. Stephen in the back there, um, passion for music. Passion, those are great things. Stephen's probably like techie-type stuff. That's not what it's called. It's actually called this, and it's a big, long word. <laughs> Um, but, but we all have passion for things. It doesn't take me long to sit down to you to find out, I kind of know what your passion is. But what if, what if our number one passion was Jesus? What if our number one passion was the things of the kingdom? What would that look like? Because I think that we have lots of believers in Jesus. I believe him. I believe he's good. He's the son of God. He died for my sin. Great. But not a lot of passion. What would the world look like if we, if all of us here, if, if every, every believer, every follower of Christ had this passionate, intense love for Jesus? What does passion look like? You talk about it, you research it, you do more research about it, you, you wanna find out more, you wanna go deeper, you have passion, it consumes who you are, it's how you get up in the morning, a passion for the things of Jesus. What would the world look like? John Wesley says this quote, he says, set yourself on fire with passion and people will drive for miles just to watch you burn. And so sometimes I think that we, 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 we take our passion and instead of Jesus being number one, other things are number one. And that we take this place of, of God saying, hey, follow me, be passionate lovers of me. Where we take this place of my focus is here and we turn and begin to go after the things of Jesus. In, in 2 Timothy um, 2.22, it says, Timothy, run away from your youthful desires. And then he says, instead, direct your passion to chasing after righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace, and, and along with all those who call upon the name with pure hearts. Saying, turn away from those things and begin to direct your passion towards the things of the kingdom. Followers, disciples of Jesus, are passionate about the things of Jesus. They're passionate about his kingdom. So, so how, do we, how do we become passionate? How, what does this look like? What does it look like to be passionate followers of Jesus? We're gonna talk about this. And my first point today is passionate followers of Jesus are in pursuit of him in pursuit of relationship with him, with who he is, with knowing him more, and in pursuit of his heart. David 
was known as a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. He was, he was after God's own heart. And David was not perfect. David was an adulterer and a murderer and all the things. But he had this desire in, the, in his heart to know more of God, to be closer to him. And we have, we, we have to break this mindset that says, I have to be perfect to follow after God. You do not have to be perfect. His sacrifice on the cross was enough for you. And as you begin to pursue the things of the kingdom, don't worry about it. He'll do a work in you. He'll begin to work things out. Because what happens when you get into perfectionism is it stops, it kills your pursuit of him. It changes your focus and suddenly you're trying to work things out in you to make yourself better, to be better, and it stops your pursuit of him because what happens is, like we read in Psalms, is what happens is, it says, who is it? Who dares come into the presence of God? Who are the ones that live their life in the Holy Spirit? If you're after perfectionism, you will think you're not perfect enough to live in the presence of God. You will think you're not perfect enough to pursue him, to be next to him. He says, come just as you are. I'm calling you now, not calling you when you're perfect. I'm calling you now. So David had this heart after God. In Psalms 34, it says, even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Those who pursue God, they won't lack anything. That's a promise. Psalm 63 verse 8 says, with passion I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. The more that you pursue God, the closer you will feel him, the more you will feel him, the more you will hear his voice, the more that you will see him smile at you, the more you'll be aware of him. the more you'll want to go and be in his presence, it changes everything. In Acts, they said this about David, Acts 13, 22, it says, God raised up David to be king and God said to him, said of him, I have found in David, son of Jesse, a man who always pursues my heart. And look at this, and will accomplish all that I have destined him to do and will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. See what happens so often is we get focused on the purpose, focused on our destiny. I got, I got to get to that place. Like I got, I got to get to my destiny. I got, and, and so all of a sudden we take our eyes off of God and we just get going on this. I, I got to get this done. I got to accomplish. I got to do better. I got to be better. And he says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Keep your eyes on me because those that look to me, those that are pursuing me, you will accomplish everything that I have destined for you to do. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews that they run the race that was set before him. How do they do it? Keeping their eyes on Jesus. You're still running the race. You're still moving towards your destiny. But how are you doing it? You, you're not trying to figure it out all on your own. You're doing it by keeping your eyes on Jesus. 
and you will accomplish all that you were destined to do. That's for someone here today. You will accomplish all. There is somebody here has been said over you that you would never amount to anything. You would never make it. I want you to hear the Father say, you will accomplish all that you were destined to do. So your number one has to be passionate pursuit of him. I put it number one because it's the most important thing. It's what changes everything. Number two, pleasing God must be more important to us than pleasing people. It must, it must be more important. God said to me as I, was, as I was getting ready that in this next decade, meaning starting yesterday, in this next decade, God is calling us to this place where his voice is the voice that matters above any other, and we obey that voice no matter what. No matter what. Because he has called us to do things differently. We're, we're called to do life differently. We do things different. The kingdom and, and, and his ways does things differently. It looks different. We're going to be going this way. Others are going to be going this way. He says, that's okay. Listen to my voice anyway. He's going to call us to do things that will seem strange, but we have to trust him and say, you know what? I just want to please my father. I just want to know. I just want to please you instead of what other people's thoughts, what their feelings, what they think about what I'm doing. Matter. You matter more to me than that. Because what happens is if we get into the place of pleasing people, being concerned about what their thoughts are, their feelings are, what they think, what, what their opinion is. What happens is we begin to bow our knee to those thoughts, to those opinions, and those thoughts and opinions become our master. And then we begin to direct our life by someone else's opinion of us rather than God's. Followers of Jesus are after pleasing the Father. Jesus was here to do the will and the desire of his Father. Jesus did what pleased his Father. In, in John 6, 38, it says, And here's the reason I have come down from heaven, not to pursue my own agenda, but to do what he desires. I am here on behalf of the Father who sent me. It says, I'm here to do the will of my Father. Whatever he desires, whatever pleases him is what I'm going to do. Followers of Jesus do this. This is what we do. We're here to please the Father. We're here to do the will of the Father. I'm after his heart. That's why, that's why the Bible says, seek his kingdom first. Him first. Him above everything else. We have, we have priorities in life. We have our families and our husbands and our, or our wives, or we have um, relationships, friends. We got work. We got all of these priorities. And God says, hey, seek me first, and all of these things will be added to you. A lot of times we look at things and we think money, stuff, houses, cars. Come on, it's better than that. He says, look at me. 
And all of the things that you're worried about, all of the things that you stress about, all of those things, they will be added. They will come into alignment when you look at me because what you're concerned about, I'm concerned about. You're concerned about your kids, I'm concerned about your kids. Look at me, look at me. And all of these things will be added. There's many times that the Holy Spirit will say, hey, you have got things out of priority again. <laughs> Look at me. I know you're worried about your kids right now. But look at me. I'll tell you how to handle it. I'll give you strength to get through it. Look at me. Look at me. I know you're worried about your job right now. Come on. Look at me. I've got wisdom for that. I got I got I got ideas. Come on. Look at me. Number three, follow him regardless of what it costs you. Followers of Jesus, follow him regardless of the cost, because there's a cost. In Luke 14, 33, it says, if you want to be my disciple, it will cost you everything. Don't underestimate the cost. It'll cost you everything. Luke 14, 27 says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In, in Luke 14, 33, in the Message Bible, it says, Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. So, you remember the, the first week that we talked about this, Jesus shows up and he says to Peter, and he says, Peter, follow me. And what does the Bible say? It says, Peter left everything. He's like, I'm coming after you, Jesus. And he began to follow after Jesus. And this is the place where, where we get caught. When I say there's a cost and we're like, <clears throat> Hold up. I like the I like the I like the nice things. I, I like I like that he loves me and I like to and he does and it's crazy. But then you say there's a cost and suddenly I'm not sure I'm prepared to pay that cost. And you know what? That happened in the Bible. In the there were disciples that were following after Jesus. They're following him, and then the Bible says that they became offended by his words. In other words, the cost is too much. I'm I'm offended, and they stopped following him. There was the rich young ruler who shows up and he's like, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit an eternal life? And Jesus says, follow the commandments. And, and the rich young ruler says, I've been doing it forever. I, I've been following those commandments. I, like, I'm good at it. And Jesus is like, that's great. And then he says, there's one thing though. And the rich young ruler says, what's the one thing? And he says, sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Follow me. And the Bible says that this rich young ruler went away sad because he had much. It's not a story about money. It's not a story about poverty. It's not a story about, about it. What it's a story about is what had his heart. What had him? That when Jesus says there's a cost, ugh, it's that thing. 
that one thing I don't really want to surrender to you. And I think we can identify with this. I, I think maybe for some of us, it's not money. Some of us, it's relationships. God's like, there's that relationship. It's no good for you. Maybe some, it's entertainment. It just does something to you. It messes you up. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's that you've got priorities out of Iraq. But whatever it is, there's something that has your heart, that one thing. And so we show up and we're like, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I've loved the messages. I, there's this great preacher down at Embassy Church and she's talking about... <laughs> Right, you would all say that. So, and um, there's this preacher down at Embassy Church, and and she's talking about discipleship, and I am ready to follow after you. I'm, let's do this. And Jesus is like, let's go. One thing though, I've been talking to you about about that relationship. I've been talking about you letting go of that that one thing. Oh, oh. Could you pick another thing, God? And it's that thing that's got our heart. And what happens with the thing that's got our heart is we begin to dictate, our decisions are being dictated by that thing. And I wonder today, what's your one thing? What's your thing that, that makes you sit there and go, oh, the cost, the cost hurts. I want to read something and then I want to challenge your thoughts. I'm way in my notes. I got away on myself. Matthew 19, verse 29, it says, And everyone who has left their houses, their brothers, their sisters, their fathers, their mothers, their children, their lands, saying, basically saying everyone that's given up that thing. He says, Whoever has done that for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. So anyone who gives up that thing, what I've asked you to, what's gripping your heart, he says, shall receive a hundredfold and eternal life. And, and I began to study, I, I was, I was kind of cross-studying, I was studying this for, um, for the message, but then in my own personal study, my thoughts kind of collided. My, where I was studying kind of collided. And I started to think a little bit and I thought, if I show up and I'm talking to Wayne and, and I'm Jesus, let's pretend. And I say, Wayne, how much do you have in your bank account? And Wayne tells me, I have, I have $1,000. I say, perfect, Wayne. I want you to give me everything, because I've got a million dollars, and I want to give it to you. So give me everything. And Wayne says, well, that's everything I have. Oh, yeah, no, I know, Wayne, but I'm going to give you. And Wayne's like, but that's everything. That, that would be all that I have. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, but I've got better. In other words, yeah, there is a cost. But what he's got for you is so much better. It's so much greater. It's so much more. And so I began to think, 
If we struggle with this so much that, that when it gets quiet in service, when we begin to talk about the cost and, and we get really sad and oh, the cost, oh. And then I began to wonder if what he has in exchange is so much greater, but yet we still get upset about there being a cost and it costing us everything. Do we really believe God is good? Do we really believe he is who he says he is? Do we really believe he will take care of us, that we can trust him? that he's faithful, that he's watching over us. And I wondered even in my own life, I sat there thinking like, what lies are in there that would make me want to hold back? Because if he was really as great, and I believed it with my whole heart. Yeah, I'll give up that to follow you because you're good. You're, you're better than I can even imagine. And so I found myself sitting there saying, God, expose the lies. Expose the lies that make me think. that you're not good, that make me think that you won't take care of me. Expose whatever lie. And in this place this morning, Father, expose any lie in us that makes me, that makes us look at you any way that's not true. I want to show you something. In, in Matthew 11, Jesus says, are you weary? carrying a heavy burden then come to me look at this just just even listen to how much love is in this are you tired are you just are you carrying heavy things are you exhausted come that's how much he cares come and he says i will refresh your life for i am your oasis simply join your life with mine simply just join your just come just look to me just come join your life with mine learn my ways he goes and you'll discover i love this that i'm gentle that i'm humble and that i'm easy to please just look to me and you'll discover that i am gentle to think, do I think God's gentle? And I think for some in this place that God's, the, 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 the Spirit of God is wooing you like right now. He's saying, listen, look to me. I want to change your perspective of how you see me. I am gentle. I am kind. And the words easy to please I, that jumped out at me because sometimes you think that I'm going to get into this, I'm going to follow God and the, the expectations that he's going to have for me and I may not measure up. He says, hey, I'm easy to please. And then look at this. He says, you will find refreshment 
and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. What? And this is what rocked my world. He began to show me the mindset that even I have that if I, I will follow him because I love him like crazy, I'll follow you. I'll do what you tell me, but I know that it's gonna be really hard. And life is gonna be hard and, and it's gonna be hardships for me to bear and that's just how it's gonna be. And then I read this and he says, wait, all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. What was he doing? Exposing a lie. Because when you live from a lie, we talked about this last week, when you live from those lies in your heart, then you begin to see through the filter of that lie. In other words, if you think nobody likes you, if that's a lie that's in your heart, nobody likes me, no one will ever like me, it is the filter you see by. So when people come up to see you and they'll say, hey, and then you're like, oh, they're judging me. They hate me. Because there's a lie in your heart and it becomes the filter you see through. So God exposes this lie and says, hey, you think that the cost is going to be detrimental to you. You're willing, you'll do it anyway. And he says, no, look, it will be pleasant and easy to bear. And as soon as you replace that lie with the truth, grace enters in and then you begin to see things through a different light and you say, hey, what God's called me to do, the cost that God has called me to, to pay is pleasant and easy to bear. Pleasant and easy to bear. I'm kind, I am gentle. You will find that I am easy to please if you'll just come to me. See, a lot of times is it, it, we get exhausted, we get tired, and we think he's not the one that we can turn to. He says, no, 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 come to me, come. You'll find, the more you come, the more you're gonna find, I'm really kind. I'm really gentle. Will life be perfect? No, no. This is the world that we live in. Are hard times gonna come? Absolutely, 100%. I pay money on it. I'm just kidding, I don't gamble. <laughs> hard times will come. What's the difference? You have a hope to hold on to. You have an anchor for your soul. You have, you have peace and you have joy and you have someone that will walk you through it right to the end. Someone who is kind and gentle and easy to please. Everything that Jesus wants to bless you with is tied into your willingness to follow him regardless of the cost. Because blessing always follows obedience. Number four, praise and worship team, you can come. Everything becomes an offering and everything becomes God-centered. As we become passionate followers of Jesus, everything 
becomes God-centered. Everything, our life, everything we do becomes an offering. Look at this, Romans 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you because you need God's help for everything. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. David McGrew was down here talking to the um, leaders and, and he was saying that exact same thing is everything that we do should be unto the Lord. Everything that we do, it's all for him. So I come and preach and I'm preaching a message to you, but it's, it's for him. The, the people come into the church and, and there's those that are working the doors and the ushers and the meeting, the praise and worship team and everything that they do provides something for you, but it's unto him. It's for him. But even more so, my life, my raising my children, the decisions that I make, everything that I do, the places that I go, I am doing it for him. It becomes God-centered. God followers are God-centered. And then it goes on to say, Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. What is that? That's pursuing him. Fix your attention on him and he will begin to do a work in you really recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. God-centered, God-pursuing ones. We're the passionate ones who are after the heart of God. And this is the place, this is, this is the place of decision where we, where we say, hey God, I want your will. I want to follow after your heart. I want what you want. No matter what the cost is, I'm surrendering to you. And remember, remember this as you begin to, if I say this, I know that there are people thinking here, okay, so I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to have to do this, am I right? You begin to think those things. He says, no, 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 you missed it. Look at me. Pursue me. Come after me. Come after me. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Look at me. Follow me. Follow me. How do you do that? Listen, get up, begin to pray, begin to spend time with him. Give him some of your time. God, I'm here. I, I, I want to know you. I want to experience you and, and do it again. If you don't feel it, do it again. God, I'm here. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I'm after your heart. I desire who you are and do it again and then do it again. Open up your word. Oh, open up your word. Begin to read the Bible. God, where are you? I'm looking for you. The Bible says that if you seek him, you will will find him. 
you will find him. So Father God, I pray for everybody here in this room and online right now. And I thank you, Father God, that you are lighting a fire on the inside of us to pursue the things of the kingdom. That you are lighting a passion on the inside of us to go deeper and go farther in you. And Father, if there's any lies in our heart that misrepresent who you are, Father, reveal them right now and heal those places. Heal those places. And reveal who you are to us. We want to know more. We want to go deeper. Whatever the cost, God, take us deeper. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.